0: Good afternoon, Brad. How are you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? Good. Thanks for joining me. This has been a long time coming with schedule for everything else. You've uh, definitely pulled what I call the hot girl mentality and made me wait. So, kudos to you. <laughs> I really appreciate you making the time. This, yeah, no, it's good. A uh, topic that I've been dying to talk about. I think you're the perfect, perfect person for it. So, today we're talking about the morning after. You can. Yes. Relate that to any context you want, but in terms of the morning after a deal is done in the m a space,
1: right. you sold right. your
0: company, you're taking that next step, and that is one of those, what would you call it? Not a soft skill, but a, a, a soft topic, a uh, less-reviewed topic in the yeah. m process. Yeah. Is Am I prepared to take that next step? But why don't I give a brief intro to you real quick, sure. and then I'm going to let you go at this. You're going to unleash your soul. You're going to unleash pain. You're going to... You're going to tell the world how you feel and where you are on this. All right, That's let's do it. People need to know. So, from what we've talked about and how long I've known you, you're you're really known for helping owners of agencies, expert firms, grow from really that one million barrier where a lot of people hit some good headwind to get them to that three and five million dollar thriving agency. Uh, I think you're somewhere close to twenty years that you've been in this
1: space. Yes, over twenty years. Yep. Wow.
0: Uh, and, and you've worked w- alongside agency owners to help them sharpen their, their focus, raise prices, hire better people, all those things you need to really scale. Yeah. And that's right. you've worked with hundreds of owners. I know yep. many of them, really great people. But I, you sent me a, a quote when we first met You said that you learned that success is driven less by what you do. Then what you decide to be, and the biggest hurdle to an agency's growth is between your ears.
1: That's right.
0: So, and people can find out more about you at AnchorAdvisors.com. I'll put links to the vi- underneath the video when it's all out there. But why don't you tell me what that means to you? The biggest hurdle to your agency's
1: growth is between your ears. It seems pretty understandable, but <laughs> what does that mean for you? Well, when I started working with agency owners, um, part of it was a discovery that like. The agency business and the expert uh, firm business is is sort of doing business on easy mode. Like, there's no inventory, there's no capex. You don't have to build a factory, you don't have to build tooling. Like, if you want to grow your business, you get some customers, you buy a desk and a phone, you put a warm body at it, and your business can grow. Right? That easy. It's just that it, easy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the digital agency owners are going to love you for that statement. <laughs> well, the. the so that part of it is easier. Yeah. And what I also learned was just getting people to do the right things and to, to, to make the right decisions didn't always cause their business to grow because so much of what your business is, is what you're putting out there, both the energy and the ideas and the, and the way that you're leading your team. And then as your business gets bigger, obviously your team is putting their energy and, and um, creativity out there. Mm -hmm. And that part, the success of your ability to do that is really about who you are. It's not so much about the decisions you're making. It's about, is your head right? And is your heart in the right place? And can you relate to people and connect with them on a real way? And when people are doing creative work, there's always some uncertainty involved, right? There's a journey that we're taking and they need to trust you in that journey. And that trust comes a lot from how you're showing up in every meeting with every team member, with your clients at the beginning and the middle and the end of the project, right? Yeah. And so that turns out to, be, to drive a lot more of the success of the clients that I've worked with. That's great.
0: And, and critical piece, heart and mind are a massive part of who you are, who the company is, and you need to stay focused on that. But sometimes, and I, I would say many times, Working with an outside party to be able to objectively look at that and to objectively see where you are is really, really critical. That, and I think a, a lot of people see that as a, an inability for me to lead and for me to build this on my own is somehow a detriment. But I see it as a real conversation to character or validation of character that you're willing to say, "Hey, come look what I'm. Come look at my beautiful baby and tell me if it's ugly."
1: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the it's uh, the 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 cliche is that it's hard to read the label when you're on the inside of the jar, right? And so sometimes you need someone from the outside to kind of tell you how it is. Yeah. But also, it's it's so hard to figure out whether what you're experiencing is something that's unique and special to you, or it's just something that goes on when you're at this particular stage and growing your agency. And so yeah. some of that outside perspective is really just helping you to 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 get perspective and to know whether this is something that's about you or it's just something about where, the place that you're at. And and if you get a little further, things are going to change. You're going to have different issues, right? Yeah.
0: And, and a lot of owners do think that much of what they do is so custom, but there are tried and true things that you can do to scale your agency, to take it to the next step. And especially like on the M&A side, when, when you go to sell, even if you're not going to sell the whole built to sell model, yep.
1: Yep. it's good to see, okay,
0: do I have great recurring revenue? Do I have a share of the relationships. Even if you don't want to sell, what's the uh, term? Uh, the, the
1: hit by a bus mentality. <laughs>
0: if you get hit by a bus today, can your company carry
1: on? Right. I prefer to say kidnapped by aliens because it feels like a more positive uh, kind of outcome. But yeah, building your business in a way that you can remove yourself from it just gives you options, right? You can choose to sell your business and take yourself out of it. You can choose to hire someone to to run the business and you can be more remote. You can choose to invest some of your time and energy in another enterprise if that's what you want to do. But but unless you've created that option, then those doors aren't open to you.
0: Well, that's a perfect segue because you're covering some of the topics that we really wanted to touch on today. Because as we mentioned, many books and videos kind of focus on M&A and the processes and the how-tos. But when it comes to this particular topic of you personally, individually, as, the, the, as defined by, I'm the owner of this company, or even if I'm uh, one of the co-founders, so it doesn't have to be yep. just the CEO. Yep. Um, you know That's a critical part that people need to pay attention to. So what do you see as the biggest morning after
1: situations with some of these owner operators? So I want to back up to, to before the morning, morning after first, because this is Perfect. where I first became aware of this problem. Um, I spent about 10 years prior to going out on my own buying entrepreneur-led businesses for a billionaire. And uh, we did about, we looked at about 100 businesses a year. We would close on maybe five or six of them. And so right. we, we met a lot of entrepreneurs who maybe sort of were thinking about selling their business, right? Yeah. And one of the things that I learned is that early on, I had to have a conversation with them about what are they going to do after they sell their business?
0: Define early on real quick. I want to take you off track.
1: Like the second or third conversation I would have. That's soon, Yep. I agree with that. I mean, I would say, so let's just say that this all goes well and and we decide your business is worth an amount of money that you feel like you want to go away with. What are you going to do after that? And it was surprising the number of people that had very vague plans. They would be like, well, we're going to do some traveling, you know, or yeah. I want to buy a boat. And, and I'd, I'd explore it with them a little bit. Like, have you ever had a boat before? Like, what's the going to do for you, right? Yeah. Are you going to be bored in a month? Exactly. In a month? Yeah. Do you, are you even actually interested in a boat? Or is it just the <laughs> idea of a boat that was interesting to <laughs> you? Oh, the um, idea of boats are always interesting. Yes, it's much better than the reality of a boat.
0: But then my stepfather's <laughs> boat two months ago, sitting at the bottom of the bay, that's what became uninteresting. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's so, really that's really important that you say that, because when I first started in this space, I didn't feel as, as a buyer's rep at times that that was my responsibility. Right. What do you mean? What am I doing with my money? What yeah. am I planning? But it's so critical To get to closing and beyond because all these issues come up and it's, you know, did we lay that foundation out so that when we get to this point, I can go back to that and say, hey, remember, this is where you wanted to get. That's it.
1: Helping you get there. Yes. And the flip side is the, the owners that I saw that didn't have a solid plan as we got closer and closer to closing, there would be all these issues that would start coming up for them. You know, uh, I don't like this clause or I don't like the way this was written. And, and really, when I peeled it back, it wasn't about any of that. It was about the anxiety that was building about what happens after I sell this. Because yeah. owning a business, I mean, let's just face it. It's a pretty good gig, right? Like, you're the boss. People listen to what you do. You don't have to show up any place at any time or, you know, I mean, you've got a lot of flexibility and independence, and, and a lot of status that comes from being the business owner. And as you get to that point where you're thinking about selling it, a lot of business owners realize how much of who they are, how much of their identity is wrapped up in that owning a business or being a business owner. And when that gets taken away, you know, what's left? What is it that I want to do? Who is it that I want to be after that point? And so that was a real deal deal killer. If I could not find a way to get people to start thinking about what they were doing afterwards, the deal just wasn't going to close. Yeah. And it might uh, not be I, a, a good relatable story, but it's one that
0: I've coined, I've coined it as the the Escobar. And what I mean by that is if you see the memes that go around from the show Narcos, yeah, Pablo Escobar ran a Pablo Escobar ran a million dollar comp, bill, I'm sorry, a right. billion dollar enterprise. Right. And then you see all these means of him sitting in a swing in the yard, just staring yeah, up in his face, exactly. standing at his pool, just looking down into the water. But you started to see that Pablo Escobar started to fall apart when yeah. he was no longer at that status level and people started to turn on him. And you could see that internal struggle that ultimately yes. led to his demise. Yes. And you and I both have seen cases where this happens, where you just don't know who you are anymore because you're no longer the CEO. You're no longer the the big dog at the dinner function, but what then should these companies be doing if they're going into a process to stave off that situation?
1: So one of the things we talked about a little earlier, I think is critical. As you start to remove yourself from the active day-to-day running of the business, as you're starting to draw yourself out of that, which is something we need to do before we go sell our business. Good point this is gonna give you some freedom to explore what is it that I wanna do? Who is it that I wanna be? And, and start looking at what are the things that I care about that I wanna invest the next phase of my life in. And one of the things you need, have to assess with that is, is this retirement money? Like, am I gonna sell my business for enough that I don't ever have to work again? The Or, yeah, right. Um, which, which honestly is unlikely. Right. Most most of the transactions in this lower middle market are a lot of money, but probably not enough that you can live the rest of your life on unless you're, you know, in your 60s or 70s. Yeah. And so what is it that you start to get interested in? What what is it that you start to focus on that's going to take that same energy and passion that you had for your business? Mm -hmm. For some people, that's another business. For other people, it's a, a not for profit or a cause that they're investing themselves in. Yeah. For some people it is like traveling or, or um, spiritual development that they want to, that they're, are what places they want to go and things that they want to learn. I've seen people go back to school and invest in a second career, but creating some kind of, of meaningful plan there keeps you from the conversation that I had with one business owner where, you know, a couple of months after he sold his business, I, I called him up to see how things were going. And he said, well, honestly, I'm a little depressed. I I was in charge of 200 people and now I'm in charge of the dishwasher, you yeah. know? Yep. And, and so having something that's meaningful that you're moving toward as opposed just to just moving away from what you didn't like about your business.
0: Yeah. And, and that's really important to do prior to, as you mentioned, Yeah. because that then falls into, which we're not going to get into too deeply, but the structure of the deal. Yeah. Because you might have a two-year earnout. Yeah. And you might even have a roll forward where they want to keep you involved for the next five to 10 years. But a lot of these PE firms tend to do a roll up and a five-year type of exit. Mm-hmm. And are you okay with that? And that's really understanding that you think would be, do I want to go do nonprofit work? Why is that important? I'm selling in a company. But yeah. you, your favorite part about being a CEO might have been the mentoring that you got to do. And you realize I sell and I'm out and I go to start a new company and I don't have those people to mentor and source. That's right. So, you know, that's just such a critical part of, of this, the next step in that process.
1: And I'm glad you brought up the earnout because the earnout, the earnout becomes problematic in a couple of ways. Okay. If if you're selling your business because you're moving away from things you don't want, I'm tired, it's a grind, you know, I I, I don't feel as successful as I thought I would feel, or whatever it is that you're kind of moving away from. Yeah then the earnout becomes like a prison sentence that you're serving out right <laughs> yeah because, because you want to get away from these things that are that are negative factors in your life like silicon valley where they sat on top of the roof and just
0: yeah, they, they, right. they they all did their earnouts on on fold out chairs
1: yeah. <laughs> but, i worked at one of those companies <laughs> <laughs> next next podcast <laughs> but the the uh, so so Thinking about what you can gain during that earn out, you know, you're probably your commitment level and the hours that you're putting in is going to drop back some. So this gives you a chance to practice some of those things. Like if you want to get involved in a, in a not-for-profit or a cause, go out and find some place and, and get on a board and start volunteering and give them some money and get connected because that's a, it's a way that you can make a trial run at some of these things before you're launched off the end, right? Yeah. And if the flip side, if you're moving towards something, if there's something that you really want to, to engage in, that earnout can be difficult because you wanna put more of your energy toward that thing. Mm-hmm. And so if you have a really strong plan, you can sometimes work a shorter earnout or a work earn out that has less time invested day to day because you're not looking for that second payoff, you're looking to get on to another phase of your life. And so understanding what that transition is gonna be Helps you to structure an earnout that's going to work better for you and better for the acquirer too. Like yeah. the last thing they want is you sitting up on the roof in a folding chair or, you know, coasting at your desk. I mean, yeah. that's not really good for anybody.
0: Yeah. And that's really critical for people to understand because, you know, for structures, I've had deals where after a year of a two year earnout, they have a conversation. And, and that's where I think the communication comes from is good preparation. Because after a year, you know what? Hey, I'd like to move on. Are you okay with that? Yeah, you've done great things. We'll speed up the earn out and you've, you've, you've performed wonderfully yep. and we're happy to do that. But that comes from that great communication, which is a derivative of understanding who it is you are and what you want to accomplish. Yep. I mean, you even talked about something before when we just really started to get to know each other was talking about even your donations yeah, and your ability to be that guy. Yeah. Because you know you used to give twenty thousand maybe or fifteen thousand to your your local church or to your local nonprofit, but you're no longer able to do that or not in the same way.
1: Yeah,
0: because now I'm giving away maybe retirement money instead of a company. It's coming.
1: It's coming out of capital as opposed to out of income, right? And it it does change things. It, It changes your status in those organizations.
0: Do you feel that this is a subjective question? Do you feel that you have the ability? And the wherewithal to be able to have a conversation with somebody and an owner, like, do you have that type of relationship to be able to say, you know, I need you to be honest with yourself. You're telling me you want to sell, but this isn't like selling a commodity, like a car or a house yeah, that's where right. we love each other and you take it and we say, bye, this is more like a marriage for at least yeah. at least a short period of time. Yeah. And do, do you tend to work with your clients in that way? Or is that something they should talk to a therapist or another individual
1: about like, how, how deep
0: and, and connected do you get on that almost intrinsic value?
1: Yeah, so I have the kind of relationship with clients where I would challenge them on what their plan is and how serious they are about their plan. And you know, the the honestly, when someone told me they were going to buy a boat, I was like, "Have you ever owned a boat?" I mean, I had that conversation yeah. with someone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and so yeah, really talking to them and helping them to make a more detailed and rational plan is mm-hmm. is critical. Um, If there there have definitely been times, you know, the, the guy that told me that he was depressed, I sent him to a therapist because like, he, he's in a situation that he needs to think that through and and understand what's going on. But in general, if what we're talking about is what does this mean to you as a person? How is your identity being affected? That's a conversation that I would have with a lot of clients. Yeah. So looking, so
0: what we want to look at is professionally, what is it that I'm doing next? And maybe going through, a, a, what are some practices you might use? Because I've told people to kind of go through a yes, no. Do I want to start a new company? Yes or no. Do I, and, and as you outline all of that and get deeper and deeper down that, that tree, that rabbit hole, it's also very critical for them to have that discussion with the buyer. Mm-hmm. Do you feel what level of openness, mm-hmm. once they've identified these things, do you think like, really needs to be there? How, how open should I be with the buyers on my intent?
1: So let's go back to the first of what kind of exercises or things that people should do. Um, I, I like your yes, no, my, my version's a little bit different, which is, you know, kind of drawing a line down the middle of the paper and think about the things that you're doing now that in your current life, what are things that are uh, giving you energy or giving you life? And then what things are draining your energy or draining your life, right? Yeah. And so kind of start observing that over a couple of weeks. Oh, you know when I go out and talk to clients, I come back jazzed. I love the connection that I have with the clients, but sitting through financial reviews, I want to poke my eyes out. You know, that goes on the other (laughs) side of the column. And so as you're moving forward, you have this discontinuity, you have a chance to really structure a role that has more of those life giving things and fewer of those life draining things. Right. Mm -hmm. And so uh, for a particular example, um, there was a business we bought and the owner had incredible relationships with the clients. Like they loved him. Yeah. And, and he took them on vacation and he knew their families and like, Oh, wow. It was a deep connection that yeah, he that's had cool. with these folks. Right. And so it was critical for the success of the deal that we got to know those clients before he went away. You know, at some yeah. point he was going to disappear. Um, and after the deal, you know, we had talked about that with him. We had talked about openness. We were very open that the primary value that you're bringing to us during the is to is to move the equity that you have, you know, the, the goodwill that you have yep. with your clients over to us. And he's like, yeah, that's exactly, I get it. That makes sense. But when it came to actually doing it, he got so much satisfaction about it out of the connection that he had with those people and he cared about them. The idea of moving that over to us was really difficult. It was uncomfortable for him. It was something he yeah. didn't really want to do. And so finding a way for, to keep him connected, what we ended up actually doing was creating a foundation that was connected to the business. Hmm. And he could stay connected to the, to, the, to the customers. They were all, the cause that the foundation was about, they were all connected to the benefit of the industry. Yeah. And he could maintain that connection there. And then that allowed him to pass the commercial connection over to us. But finding those kind of solutions where you really understand what you're getting out of, you know, how is this serving me? How is this job, this role, this this place that I have, how is this serving me? And how am I going to find that satisfaction in a different way since this is not the way I'm going to get it anymore?
0: And I like the line, the the line down a piece of paper because you can break that down to what is really important, and that you could take that and say okay, well, out of 15 things I put is really important. I need to prioritize those and get those down to three yeah. or four or two for what's really critical because it might be I have other jobs or other businesses I've started. I want to go focus on those and I don't want to do an or not. Well, you need to understand that that's going to have an impact. So how important is it to you? Yes. So yeah. we talk about, so what we're talking about here, tools, active tools they can use is build a list and then build a structure from that and communicate that are all really key aspects of a good deal.
1: The, the other uh, exercise that I do with people before that they go out to sell is, uh, you know, you've heard of the iron triangle, the fast, good, cheap, choose two, right? Yeah. The iron triangle in selling your business is maximizing valuation, maximizing legacy, or Choosing the day of your departure, like having the timing be on your timing. Mm-hmm. And so, if, if valuation is important to you, you're probably, you need to sell the business when the market values it the highest. So, you're going to give up that timing thing. And you have to detach yourself from what the acquirer wants to do with the business. If they want to fire all the people and take the business to Mexico or whatever, the high, if, if you value uh, valuation the most, you're giving up those other two, right? If legacy is important to you, you want the business to continue, you want the employees to stay in place, well, you're probably going to give up something on valuation, right? And if timing is important to you, you're probably talking about an MBO or or a, um, or a leveraged buyout of some kind where you're allowing your team to, to do it on a certain day, but that you're going to give up some valuation for that. And so starting to talk to people about what of those pieces they value and what they're willing to give up was really helpful in getting people closer to, okay, this is how I want to do this. Yeah, and in
0: working with sellers and buyers, especially on the seller side, it is, you don't have to give in to anything. Right. You just have to understand that that's going to have an impact. Right. <laughs> I mean, that, that's that's a, a critical piece.
1: You can do it any way you want, as long as you're comfortable with where you end up.
0: <laughs> but, and that's another piece that you kind of bring up, kind of off topic, but somewhat similar, is what I call the hill of altruism. And these are sellers who know I need to take care of Susie and Janice yes. and Todd yeah. and Mark. And I need to, ha- I need to keep this. I need to keep that. But as you get to closing, you just really start to with, with great buyers, you start to realize that that's some of these things just have to be removed from that list. Yes, yeah. that's right. You I, need to have a priority list. Yep. Yeah. So and what I, other good.
1: I, I love to have a conversation with sellers where I say, You know, I know that you want Susie to to have a guaranteed job and make sure that she doesn't have to worry. Well, you're going to have several million dollars that you can make that happen yourself. You don't have to depend on the buyer to do that, right? Write her a check. How Um, important is it to you? (laughs) (laughs) And if you're right, if you're not willing to write her that check, they're probably not going to be willing to write her that check. And so maybe it's not that important.
0: (laughs) Yep, exactly. So do you get down into... Hobbies. I mean, hey, you, you need to. As a buyer, how deep did you get into that when you did that part of it with the with the sellers? I mean, so wasn't... I,
1: yeah, as a buyer, I didn't. But now on the on the advisory side, uh, and not not deal advisory, just as a as a coach and someone who's helping people grow businesses. Yeah. Um. One of the things that I think that business owners get confused about. Um, the startup phase is so intense, right? And we really throw ourselves into our business in the startup phase. And I think one thing that gets confused from that is that we start to believe that the business should meet all of our needs. You know, that it's going to meet our financial needs. It's going to meet our status needs. It's going to meet our social needs. It's going to, it's going to be the place where we learn the most. Right. And that's just not true. That's an expectation that your business can't meet. And so, you, we need to look for ways to get some of those needs met outside of our business. And like you're saying, hobbies, friends, uh, vacations with friends, like, like long-term relationships with people that have known you for a long time. Those are really critical to carry you through the transition that selling your business is going to be. And yeah. um, well, being mean, prepared sure. for that evolution. Because and, and if, if everybody you know are business friends... Their relation to you is all gonna change when you sell. Right? And so no longer you the boss. People, right. Yeah. And they're not gonna laugh at your stupid joke sometimes.
0: Because <laughs> they're no longer paid to. <laughs> That's right. And but so, those are we laugh about it, but those are key pieces.
1: They are. They're yeah. critical. You know, I want every one of my clients to have some friends that don't care whether their business is going well or going poorly, you know? Guys they play basketball with or guys that they go fishing with or whatever it is. But people who, it doesn't matter whether their business is up or down, they, they like you because of who you are. And, yeah. and that part doesn't change. If you've got some of those relationships, that's what's going to carry you through the discontinuity.
0: And even doing this prior to even looking at selling, like working with someone like yourself to sit down and say, okay, I may, like we talked about built to sell. Maybe I'm not going to sell. I don't plan to sell. But what do I want my company to be? What's important? And then having that evolutionary conversation of what am I going to become afterwards? Mm-hmm. Because financially, like you said, I have, I have millions of dollars in the bank potentially now. If you're doing a digital marketing, let's say it's around a million dollars in EBITDA, let's just go with you know six to eight X almost, just keep it easy, yep. let's say seven. So I've got 7 million potentially after some other things, maybe I've got six, five and a half sitting in the bank. Yep. What am I doing? Am I starting a new business? Am I, you know, what is it I want to do with my life?
1: The, the other thing that that, um, that I've seen working with clients is when you have that $5 million sitting in the bank, people look at you differently, right? Family members are going to come ask you for money.
0: Mm, um, good point. <laughs> so now we're adding in like, like a financial planner. Sit down. If you right. don't have one, sit down with somebody and say, Hey, I need to lock these things up if I feel that I might give that money to other people. Sorry, I can't.
1: It's tied up. And so having someone to help you to have some language to, to say no to the things that you want to say no to and say yes to the things that you want to say yes to. You know, so I, screw I a off Isn't good enough? <laughs> that's, oh, you're, you're talking about being a, a good guy. Okay. Well, I, <laughs> I mean, if you want to get invited to Thanksgiving, I mean, that's, <laughs> a, again, there's
0: trade offs everywhere, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know we Brad, in this conversation, you're the one that's going to keep. I'm the one who's going to keep it, you know, a little less. So, so <laughs> continue where you were going.
1: <laughs> um, so the, the, I had, a, the story I was going to tell is I had a client who really wanted to buy his mama a house. Right. And so he was able to do that after the transaction. And, and that was something that was really important to him. It was, a, it was a beautiful moment um, when it, when it happened, but when he did that, then relatives came out of the woodwork you know looking for a help with this and that or you know help with their new business or whatever yeah. and realizing that just because you were great at building your own business doesn't necessarily mean you know anything about the roofing business or you know whatever opportunity someone's bringing your way and to to think really clearly about no this money is for me to do with whatever you know whatever my plan was this money is to do that and maybe i have some money that i can do something else with but but that's you know, I only have so many of those yeses that I can get. Yeah.
0: So looking at that from a financial perspective, is, yeah. is a big one. Looking at that from, let's say, the the ego perspective or the, the personality perspective, who it is, the identity perspective.
1: Yeah. Who it's am really I? About
0: identity. Right. Yeah. And who do I want to be?
1: Yeah.
0: That all boiling down to the structure, mm-hmm. the conversations you have with the buyers. Mm-hmm. And building that priority list. What are some other key components that we talked about?
1: Well, I, I think that ha- having a plan that's pretty specific about what are your goals for the earnout phase. What kind of things do you want to learn or try or get good at or experiment with? And then, you know, if the day comes when you're not needed in the office anymore, what are you doing all day? You know, sure. like you can only play so much golf. I I I, <laughs> I had a. <laughs> I had a guy, uh, he was a marketing consultant that I worked with uh, at a prior, at one of the companies we bought. He was 76 years old. He had started and sold two ad agencies. He lived in the Turks and Caicos with a 40-year-old wife. Tough life. He had become a golf pro and he went back to work because none of that was really that interesting to him. He wanted to solve marketing problems. And so we were, I mean, we had a guy that we couldn't, absolutely couldn't afford if we hadn't found this particular guy, but that was the thing that kept him sane was having a couple of clients going or, or, or something that, that made him feel like he had purpose and and direction.
0: And that's the lesson from that. It's, it's also okay not to know, Yeah. but develop the plan. I would say roughly 50% of the sellers that I've worked with and, and been a part of have Gotten the plan? I won't say wrong, but have, you know, adapt, improvise, and overcome, right? Yeah, yeah. They, they say I, I, I'm done. Well, that guy who um, this one guy, he, he said I'm done, and he was joyfully cleaning pools a year later with his buddy's company, happy to be making twenty bucks an hour. Yep. happy because he's outside, he's meeting yep. new people, he's having a great time. He was a phenomenal salesman for upselling services it was, it was remarkable what, it, and how much he enjoyed that. Other people say, no, I want to be in this for five to seven years, but then they realize, yeah. you know what,
1: I don't. Yeah. So I mean, I, that. I, I had a client that started a lawn mowing business with his son and, and he did it for like 15 more years. He loved, like uh, you said, he really enjoyed it. It was like, he it was like a second life for him to be able to do that. And like you said, he was outside. He loved mowing lawns. Like it was a fun thing for him to do. And Spending time and, with this boy, yeah, you know, as long as yeah. it's not too contentious, <laughs> right.
0: letting him know that he makes the decisions. <laughs> exactly. Not going to tear into his work. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we've talked about the financial part, the structure part, knowing and way ahead of time, knowing and understanding what you want to be, uh, the the how that all pans out into the the deal itself, being able and allowed to say what it is you want or need, yep. right? To... to and you know dying on whatever hill you want to die on but knowing that you have every right to do that it is you know until you sell it it's still your company so the agreement you make is the agreement you make um what other key components might we want to think about or look at
1: one other key component and it's funny that i have to bring this up but i find a lot of people skip this idea um surprise me you might want to bring your family in on your plan um the, uh, the, so same, the same guy that was living in the T- Turks and Caicos with the 40-year-old doctor, she was like, listen, I'm not making you lunch, and Wednesdays are my day. You can't be in the house on Wednesdays, right? Like, they had to work out boundaries around yeah. what life was like when he wasn't going to the office anymore. Like, they, there needs to be some, some alignment. You know, if, if, if your spouse wants to continue to work, they aren't going to go to Italy with you for four weeks, Right. Um, if, if yeah. you, if you want to buy a boat, does your wife care about her boat or your husband care about a boat? She like, may not want to be out in the boat. <laughs> nope. that's... And so bringing your, your family in on whatever that plan is going forward and really giving some time for them to get used to the idea, just like is your identity is changing. Their identity also mm-hmm. might be caught up in that as well. And so taking some time and, and that's where maybe a therapist could be helpful to help you guys work through some of the issues of. Um, of what that's going to mean for everybody in the family and
0: i think if you had to vote the relational aspect of a cell the sale or the structural deal components how would you weigh that out 70 30 50 50 in terms of importance
1: well if you don't get the relational stuff right the deal isn't going to happen mm-hmm. right and so uh and I, and I say, would say the flip side, if you get the relational part, if you have a plan, if you know what you're doing, it makes the deal components so much clearer to you about what you care about and when you don't. And so, yeah, it might be 80-20, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, and, and
0: I think a lot of people would say the the deal structure would be the 80. Yeah. But you're thinking that the relational aspect yeah. is because it bleeds into the to the deal side of it.
1: You. So many times I saw people fighting about things that just don't matter.
0: And what
1: that was about is that they didn't know what mattered. They hadn't thought through, they hadn't figured out what was going on. And and you see it a lot when people are like, they just can't lose a deal point. Mm -hmm. And and that's because they don't know what they want. You know, do I want to win this deal point or do I want to have five million dollars in my bank account? Like which one to you? Yeah, they're
0: addressing (laughs) the symptoms, not the cause.
1: (laughs) Right, exactly.
0: And that, and that is critical. It's not a plug for us that we do this. It's they need to be working with someone like yourself as they scale and as they grow because they need to develop that all into the business so that when they go to sell and they work with an advisor like myself, that really is all concrete understood. Now, I can take that and build it into the deal flow. But if they don't know why they're doing this, why they're scaling, right. then you know, that, that's where you run into tons of issues.
1: Right. And that's where working with someone even a couple of years ahead of the deal Mm -hmm. so that you're building your business in a way that, that starts to pull you away and starts to create that identity. That's not all tied up in the business. And that helps you to see when that opportunity comes. Yeah. This is the opportunity that I want, because that's the other thing in the, in, because I was an active buyer, we were going out and initiating deals. We weren't just looking at things that brokers were bringing us. Mm -hmm. Um, And so a lot of times, we were bringing people opportunities not at a time when they were looking for them. Yeah, And if you know what you're looking for yes, and you can more properly address the opportunities that are coming to you, because opportunities are going to show up. Yeah. And if you don't know how to evaluate that, you know, then you're going to be the pretty girl at the dance for a while <laughs> and then argue about the terms and, you know, the whole thing. It's a lot of drama is what that turns into.
0: Well, you, you took away my last speaking point. You're too good at this. <laughs> um, but that, that really is critical because, Those start stops can really hurt you. It's you need to understand what it is you want to accomplish, what's important to you. But then you don't want to be at the point where you're going back and forth, not understanding that because deals are going to fall through. I mean, how many buyers have you had or been witness to and I have in sellers where it's like, well, hold on, hold on. Can I get company B back? I, I, I thought this was important, but it's not. So let's talk again. Cool. Then you're at a whole different
1: perspective. Yep. Now you're, now you're chasing them instead of them chasing you and the whole leverage equation switches.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so that's really <laughs> what I want people to understand is whether you're looking to sell or whether you're looking to grow, this really, they go hand
1: in hand in terms of what do you want to accomplish? You want I would go work. so far, and, and this brings us back full circle to where you started. What I'm starting to see with clients is that you can only grow your agency as much as you personally grow. The person that your agency needs at a million isn't the person that your agency needs at two and a half million. You have to grow yourself in your own capacity and leadership and your ability to distance and some of those things. And, And that's why what's between your ears is the thing that prevents the growth of your agency more often than not. Yeah, because
0: uh, you know, I think that's a whole another conversation we can have. Because I have seen sellers and owners who they start to grow, they distance themselves to put great people in place. But then once again, maybe they liked having people coming to them with problems. Because yes. how many people have you seen where people oh, come to them tons. and say, "I want people to stop coming to me with all their problems." Yes. And when you develop a system that it accomplishes that, it's well, nobody's
1: coming to me anymore with their problems. <laughs> This is why I changed the whole way that I do my business is that I had done that so many times where I created exactly the thing that they wanted and it wasn't what they wanted and so now we work more on who you are and what you want and then from that we develop the systems to get it for you because I mean that exactly what you said I've done that (laughs) too many times to count And, and it was about I wanted to be the firefighter. Like that's where I got my satisfaction out of, right? And, and that's great, but you're gonna have a million dollar agency if you're gonna be the firefighter. If you wanna be a two and a half million dollar agency, that's not your job anymore.
0: Yeah, and, and a lot of people say when you hit that 50 mark in terms of employees, like 40 to 50, oh. things just really start to evolve and change. And, and maybe it's even 30, but you know that's where the whole who you are and what the company is starts to evolve but the savings that you get from this too. Because if you go into a deal and you're not sure who you are, well, if you get to keep going back to the attorneys to memorialize these things, I mean, and working with you, you might put a plan in place they don't execute and the efficiencies and lack of, and the, the you know, wasting of resources. I think that's really critical for, for getting what you want and building the efficiencies for or, or having the efficiencies in that process. So... Yeah. I, this has been a discussion where I think we're in complete agreement on. We we didn't have any of the disagreements I thought we would have. We're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna have to do this again and find something that we both. Oh, I think that
1: there'll be plenty of things out yeah, there <laughs> that we're
0: polarizing on. What do you want to leave people with? What are you What are you working on? Uh, great piece of advice you, you've given. A lot of it. The, the stage is yours for the for the next thirty seconds.
1: Um. I mean, and I, I'm not saying this to pander to you, Brandon, and I'm afraid it's going to sound that way, but uh, when you're selling your business, this is the, probably the only time you're going to do this in your lifetime. Great um, point. Don't think that you're the smartest person in the room. There are people like Brandon, there are people like me that have done it dozens of times, hundreds of times, and you might want to get some of them on your side of the table and talk to them and, and listen to what they have to say. You are the boss of your business, but you're not necessarily the boss of this transaction. And so wow. taking taking time to figure out what you're looking for and what you want to get out of it allows your professionals to do a better job of getting you what you need.
0: That uh, that's a really good end. I mean bringing the human to the transactional is what I like yeah. to say. I
1: that's mean, right.
0: that's huge. Yeah. All right, well, we'll make sure that everybody can contact you who yep. wants to contact you and we get advisors.com that'd be the place to find us. Great. And uh, you know we're definitely gonna have to do another one after this. Yeah, let's do it. I'm excited. All right, brother, take care.